Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, and this podcast episode today, let me get my words out, is sponsored by my six days, six ways to heal your gut challenge. So for those who are listening this week, uh, the challenge kicks off on Monday the 27th. So if you head to my website, SheridanDecker.com, all the details will be there or just flick me a message on Instagram. Now, today, I have the privilege of speaking to Michelle. So, Michelle Panning is a mindset and embodiment coach, which a lot of you guys listening probably haven't heard of before. So, she's a mentor who helps women create what she calls unfuckable self-love, as well as cultivate mind-blowing relationships. So, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to have a chat. Yeah, me too, because I feel like it's something different that I haven't touched on before. Like we often, I kind of skirt around the edges of libido, self-worth, body image stuff, but then never taking that next step and being like, how does that impact your healing? How does that impact your relationship? How does that impact the way you show up in the world? Which I feel like is so many of the things that you really address with women. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I just to give a bit of background is I have always been someone who is go, 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 go. And even when I'm not going, and I say that in air quotes, right? So it's not like I'm working or hustling, but it's like, but I'm scrolling and I'm doing (laughs) something. And it's like, I I, I could not just like be yeah, you know? And so as I'm sure you can imagine, I'm running on cortisol, adrenaline, like all the things, right? And just had no ability to relax at all. Like, and I'm sure this is something that a lot of people can relate to. It's like, okay, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna meditate. And then it's like <laughs> like my mind is going a million miles a minute. So I have extensive history of knowing the opposite side of this. And then I really pride myself on on trying to live a very like relaxed pleasure-filled life as much as I can. And I don't always get that right running my own business. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, no, I want to work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a process for sure. Yeah. So how did you get to where you are now? Because now your goal is obviously supporting women to going from feeling anxious or avoidant about their love's lives or how they're feeling or self to kind of the words you really seem to um, talk about a lot is feeling confident, worthy and secure, like the words that you really embody and, and talk about. So how how did you get to where you are today and why are you so passionate about helping women, you know, approach that? So again, to just to give a little bit of context, because I think it's very easy to listen to someone on a podcast or see someone on Instagram and be like, oh my God, they must have always been this way. Like she must have grown up with secure attachment. I absolutely did not. (laughs) Um, 
I myself was super anxious avoidant. So I was very, very anxious in relationships until they finally were like, yeah, no, I want to be with you. And then I'd be like, mm, I don't know about that. I need to run. I need to leave. <laughs> I feel cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's something that so many people can relate to because it's like such a fear of intimacy, right? And I remember going through this one breakup and I had this thought, I was like, oh my God, is it possible that I am part of the problem? <laughs> because I shit you not, that had never actually occurred to me. I was like, they are the problem. If they could see a therapist, they would do that would do wonders for them and our relationship. But I was like, oh my God, I think I am contributing to this. So long story short, I ended up in Thailand like five weeks later. I was like, I need to go. I saw this post and I went and I discovered inner child work for the first time. My therapist at the time had also given me the book Attached by Amir Levine. And if anyone is dealing with like attachment issues, that is such a good book on it. And I was like, oh my God, there's a name for this, like anxious attachment, avoidant attachment. Holy shit. I'm not just a psychopath. There's like, I felt like I had finally some articulation around why I was the way that I was. And then, like I said, I started doing inner child work. I started doing embodiment. I went to an orgasmic workshop. I did breath work for the first time and I sobbed. That was the first time I ever experienced love for myself, like true love. I was like, holy shit. Whoa, I actually love myself. That was fleeting at that time, but I was like, oh my God, what is this? So then I really made it my mission to dive into all things. I feel like that trip really sparked my obsession with personal development. And I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, what is this? I have an inner child. This is amazing. Like, I need to parent myself. I need to stop blaming my parents and all of the things. And then it was a few years before getting into the relationship that I'm in now, which is the healthiest, most secure relationship I've ever had. And I would say I'm mostly secure under times of like stress and all of the things I can revert to be more anxious, um, but overall pretty secure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's like, and what are we talking like that process when you first started doing that inner child work and like, how long ago is that? We're talking two, three, five, ten 10 years. Like that was five years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, it feels like that's a long time, but that's actually not as well to make that transformation because people go like struggle in that space till they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Like they can go their whole life essentially feeling anxious and insecure and of, like avoidant of love and blaming self and all those things. Like for you to have started doing that work five years ago and sort of be the person you are today, I mean, there's still growth obviously with all of us, but that's like, that's huge. Like if, if we were taught this stuff back when we were like first hitting puberty and really like questioning our self-worth and, and comparing ourselves to others, it would be a game changer. A total game changer. Like it's so funny. I have a client, she's 22 and she's like, oh, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe it's like a little bit late. I'm like, girl, what? (laughs) I was still day drinking at like 28 years old. Um, So yeah, yeah, it's like five years. It feels like a long time. And I feel like people who are just getting into any sort of healing, I mean, you would see it with health stuff, right? It's very much like impatience, right? I want this to be healed yesterday. And so people think that they're going to come join, you know, a program of mine for a month, two months, three months. And they're like, why, why have I not transcended all of my wounds? I'm like, because it took you 35 years to get them. 
Yeah. It's going to take a little bit of time. And that doesn't mean it does, it has to take, you know, decades, but it's like, for me, what I've found is, and I mean, I've seen this in my own health journey as well. It's like, it's the choices over and over and over and over again. One bad meal, like, you know what I mean by bad, right? Like one meal outside of what you're supposed to be eating is probably not going to make or break you. Just like one, you know, argument or one time of you being a little bit reactive is not going to make or break a a relationship. But you doing that over and over and over and over again, or continuing to drop your standards for a man or a woman or someone who is very obviously not desiring to meet your standards, that compounds over time. And that will erode at your self-trust, that will erode at your relationships, and that will erode at your at your confidence, essentially, because you're like, I don't fucking trust myself to stay and stick to a decision. And I keep dropping all my standards. Oh, now it's 10 years later, and I've continued to do the same behavior. No wonder nothing's shifted. Yeah, yeah, insane. But then how, like, how do you start to do that work with women? Because that is like, that's so ingrained for so long. Even if you're, you know, even if you're working with a 22 year old, like there's still so many years of that. And it's the same, like, you know, a lot of the women might be in their forties or fifties or sixties. There's even longer. And like you said, if that's all compounded, it's like, how do you even start to pull those things apart? I feel like you've got this overwhelmingly huge like, task with these. Oh. Women. Oh yeah. Like when I, when I first discovered that I had an insecure attachment style and discovered that there were parts of myself that needed some love, needed some healing, whatever. At first it was like, Oh my God, like I, I can, I can do this. And then the gravity of how much there was to shift and and clean up and all of the things. And I felt powerless on honestly for a little bit. I was like, fuck, this is so heavy. And I feel like I just continue to make the same choices over and over. Like, I don't get why this is happening. And then I recognized I keep making the same choices over and over. Meaning I had to take responsibility for my own life in that I have choice over this. Because what I see a lot of in personal development and in my own journey was that it's very easy to blame trauma. And um, I'm not saying that doesn't impact it. It absolutely does. And a really important part of me healing was working with a somatic psychotherapist, working with a sexological body worker, someone who could actually help me integrate the trauma that I had experienced. But then I kind of got to a point where I was like, oh, it's my get out of jail free card. Like, I don't have to do things. I don't have to show up for things. I can act like an asshole in my relationships because I'm anxious. I'm anxiously attached. And so this is how I am. (laughs) It was like, I don't really know. And so I really had to come back to, I have choice. And so one of my favorite sayings or quotes that I use in my containers is I say, clock it, own it, clean it up. And so the first part of shifting any of this behavior is just noticing it. And so even in that, don't make yourself wrong for doing the behavior, right? If you dropped a standard or you overstepped your own boundaries or you did the same thing that you continue to do, whatever the thing is, it's like, oh, fuck, okay, cool. Because sometimes we need to see a pattern a million times before we're actually ready to shift it. And then once we've noticed then you have choice over, okay, do I want to continue to do that thing? It's like, sometimes I would notice myself in an argument acting very righteous. 
And then I would notice that I'm righteous. And then there was a part of me that was like, "Mm, fuck it. I'm going to continue to be righteous. (laughs) It's like, that's not supportive. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I clock it, own it, clean it up. I I really, really love that. And I feel like that um, in itself can be used in so many other areas. Yes, maybe it's your actions, but then even things when it comes to your health, for example, what you've done with your diet, because it's the same thing. Like it's and exactly like you said, it's not one meal. It's a, it's a compounding thing of choices and what you're doing and doing. And same thing, like if someone's skipping breakfast every day and you finally notice and go, wait a second, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Now, this is how I'm going to change it and put something active in place to be like, okay, I'm going to have prepped a week's worth of lunch or of breakfast so that I know and I can actively make that choice and make it an easy decision to do. Whereas, and it must be the same in relationships or the way set up or boundaries. Like, you know, for me, it was always boundaries with my parents and setting healthy boundaries and not being too much or not being too pulled apart or whatever it was. And like you said, like it's that recognition time and time again. And it would, I guess that transfers into sort of what we're going to chat about today, that masculine feminine energy and then how you show up in a relationship and then what kind of traits you progress towards. Like I progress towards masculine and go, go, go and pushing and all those things. But now that I have clocked it and I do recognize it and I go, oh, that's the kind of person I am, I then try to counteract it and balance it go okay if I've had a really stressful day then I need to set aside an hour to do art or dance or something that's bringing you down in a sense absolutely and I love that you brought that up because this is this is what I talk about when we're trying to shift a behavior or a pattern a thought pattern how we an identity whatever it's like lean into the opposite right? So if you are very masculine, always in the head, always doing, always action oriented, it's like, great, amazing. Don't lose that. That's a beautiful part of you. And also, can you strengthen the part of you that can rest and be in flow and be in creativity and all of the things, right? Another example could be, um, you know, if you notice that you're being very selfless in relationships and it's like you're constantly giving and overgiving, and that's coming from a very wounded place, by the way, of like martyrdom, right? But if you're doing that, then okay, cool. Well, how do I stop doing that? Well, you lean into being a little bit more selfish, actually acting in your own self interest of, okay, well, what do I need? Oh, here are my boundaries. So I, I always look at that. Okay, what's the, what's the characteristic that I keep? playing into what for me feels like the opposite. And so my opposite could be different to your opposite, right? But it's like, what feels like the opposite? Okay, I'm going to lean into that. So I love that you said that because that's true for a lot of women. And what I've seen for a lot of people, a lot of women rather, who tend to default to the masculine is that they're afraid to start developing their feminine because they're nervous that they're going to lose the masculine, right? Well, if I start to rest, then my whole business is going to go to shit, right? (laughs) Which is so not true. It's like, the thing is, the business is probably, it's either going to not be sustainable or not grow or not scale because you're so burned out because you have nothing left to give because you're giving everything to your clients and social media and all of the things. Whereas when you are taking care of yourself, right? You're nourishing yourself with food. You're nourishing yourself with dance and art. And I know you love being in nature as well. When you're doing those things, 
then you have so much more to give to your clients. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're right because you, it comes back to the whole, you can't give from an empty cup thing. Like, and it's like, you know, it's as simple and as complicated as that. But when you're a giver in a job like yours or mine, in a sense, like that is what you do. You're giving to people, but you're right. If you're not filling that back up, like I remember sort of like a couple months ago when we're through super busy stage and you're like, go, 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 go. And then you're like, I've actually got nothing. I can't even give out to clients because I'm so burnt out. And you're right. Like it's trying to find that balance. In a sense, would you say that a feminine energy is more restorative then as opposed to a masculine energy? Like, yeah, I mean. How do you differentiate the two for someone who hasn't really heard of them before? So for me, if you haven't heard of masculine and feminine energy, prepare to have your whole life changed. <laughs> <laughs> When I learned about this, the first thing that I want to say is that these are not gendered. So it's not about women being feminine, men being masculine. Some people are of that school of thought. I personally am not. I found that narrative really damaging um, because that's trying to, I feel like, put me in a box of like, you need to be this way. And I'm a multidimensional being. Um, And so when I think about it, I'm integrating the masculine and feminine. So what I mean when I'm talking about masculine and feminine, these are energies within us. Every single person on the planet, animals, plants, like nature, it all has masculine and feminine qualities as well. So the masculine for me is the penetrative energy. So it's doing, it's action oriented. It's like external. Um, it's driven, ambitious, passion, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your mission, right? Mm -hmm. Being on your mission, being driven by your purpose, being able to empty. And also um, for me, the masculine is ascension. So it's moving to like higher states of consciousness. So a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to connect with my feminine and they start meditating. And I'm like, that's not for me. That's a masculine practice because it's emptying out and ascending to higher states of consciousness, right? That, That stillness, that still point of nothing. And then the feminine for me is everything that happens when your eyes are closed. So your emotions, your sensations, your feelings. Um, It's my internal world. So intuition, magnetism, um, creativity, sensuality, pleasure, and expression, right? So it's not all about being some goddess who is like running through the rice fields of Bali with her white linen dress on like everything's amazing (laughs) and I'm just so nice like that's one texture of the feminine but there's a million other different textures like if you think of um, feminine goddesses right Kali right she's like a goddess of destruction so you, you can be angry and be feminine so that's what I would say is like the differentiation between the two and you need both and so yeah like restorative I think I think both of them could be restorative because if you think about, for instance, introverts versus extroverts, right? It's not about being outgoing, but one feels more externally focused and the other feels more internally focused. And either party can be nourished by the other thing. Like an extrovert goes out and is with a lot of people to regain their energy, something I cannot fucking relate to whatsoever. I'm like, no, put me alone. Need to like hibernate, put me in a float tank. (laughs) 
Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's fair. Do you see them? Because, like, in my line of work, the women I'm dealing with are generally more stuck in that masculine energy. But is there ever the flip side where you're really feminine and you're not pushing into that masculine energy? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I have seen it. Um, what tends to happen, and this is necessary, I feel, there's like, there's a real, there's some juice in this process. But what tends to happen is people are really solid in one energy and then they pendulum swing to the other one. So what can tend to happen is someone who, a woman who is very heavy in her masculine, and it's not usually the healthy masculine, right? The healthy masculine of, I'm driven, I'm on my purpose. Um, you know, I can stay disciplined and committed. It's coming from like, I need to be in control all the time, right? Which is not the healthy masculine. So what tends to happen is then they discover about the feminine. Oh my God, there's this whole other way of life. You mean I can make money and I can rest? What the fuck? And then they pendulum swing and they go into feminine collapse. So the unhealthy version of the feminine, which is victim. I'm doing nothing. Entitlement. I just want everything to be handed to me, all of these things. So they stop working. And then you can imagine something, let's take money, for example, they stop working, they stop taking any action, their money starts to deplete, because they're completely reliant on the universe. Right. And like, oh, it'll just happen. And then their money starts to go down. And they're like, fuck, oh, my God. So then they pendulum swing back to the unhealthy masculine. Right. See, that's why I can't trust the feminine. So yeah, it absolutely happens. And I've met people who are absolute like creative geniuses, like just so deeply attuned to their bodies, connected to their intuition. They're, they're creative. They're connected to source. Can't take action on anything. And I'm like, that's, that's a waste because all your juice is just like going nowhere. So yeah, it can absolutely happen. Yeah, actually, that makes sense when you say that because I know some, like you said, I know some incredibly talented people, but they 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 can't follow through and do anything with it. And I'm like, you could be anything, you know, like coming from like A types. I mean, like go and do the thing, and they're just like creating magic. And I'm like, but it's not going anywhere. Like this is like it's that's a yeah. waste. Like that's a waste. <laughs> yeah, because there's no ability to penetrate. Right? Like your creative energy, I'm going to give it woo here, but your creative energy is your eros, is your life force, is your sexual energy. And if you don't have that healthy masculine, you don't have the ability to penetrate. So in order for us to make money, it's like for me, let's take me and and you like as coaches, right? It's like, okay, cool. I've had this idea for this program. Oh, this is so amazing. This is how it's going to go. I have all the things mapped out. If I don't then get on my stories and fucking sell it, then I have not penetrated the world with my creation, right? And so my creation is just sitting there going to waste, doing absolutely nothing. And so we need that masculine as well, but from a healthy, integrated point of view. So then how does that reflect in relationships? Because obviously if you're coming into a relationship, and let's just say a male-female relationship for the sake of this conversation, but if you're coming in there as a female like you or me who might be more dominant in that masculine energy, I wonder then like I'm single, but I wonder then how that presents to a guy because I've been in relationships before where I've shown up as me and they're just like, like you're amazing, but you're too amazing. Like I can't keep 
up with everything you want to do. And also I'm quite a stressy sort of person as well. But I wonder if you can be almost too dominant, if that's the right word. I don't know how that reflects. I love it. It's like asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm talking, my brain's processing going, wait a second, this is probably half my issue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Look, I don't like to say um, I'm too much of this or I'm not enough of this, but I like to think, okay, well, how can I bring things into equilibrium equilibrium, and strengthen other parts of myself? So you might have a natural tendency that loves to be the boss and dominate. And that might be like even how your, how your sexual energy runs. And that's perfect and that's beautiful. But if you're wanting a masculine man who is going to plan things is like, you know, Drew, my partner, sometimes he comes in and he like takes my phone out of my hand or he closes my laptop and is like, that's enough. To which I'm like, no, just one more thing. Um, But it's like, he really comes in with that, that dominance of, hey, like surrender and not from a place of control, but he actually knows that I'm starting to get in my head. I'm overworking. Like, and so he can be that masculine pillar. And so for me, when I'm hearing, oh, you're, you're too amazing, or it's like all of these things, I'm like, cool. So you guys have gotten into a dick swinging contest. That's yeah. essentially what's going on, right? Which is like, look at me, I've got my big business and I've got like all of these things and I'm so great. And like, I'm not doubting that you are, you are incredible. But women can use this, oh, men are intimidated by me as a cop-out, right? Of not wanting to surrender, let go of control, not be the one wearing the pants for a hot second. Um, And actually trust that the masculine will provide for you, that he actually has your best interest at heart. But if you don't trust other people, that other people can make you happy or support you or hold you or whatever, then of course you're going to be in this energy of like, I have to hold myself. Right. And so then because it's very core to the masculine and men to be needed almost in a way, and not from a space of like, Oh, I can't do anything myself. Like the damsel in distress, but like, yeah, like I need you. I need support. I need humans. If he's not feeling that sense of, I can't provide anything. I can't protect her from anything. I'm useless. And if a man feels useless, he's not going to want to be in that relationship. And so this isn't about, um, you know, because a lot of women go, what do you want me to do? Applaud him? I'm like, first off, that energy needs to fucking go. Like, we cannot have that kind of energy. And yeah, kind of. Like, appreciate him for what he does and allow him to take care of you. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's a really hard one for a lot of females as well. Like for me, you've gone through that whole health journey. You've really had to stand up and show up for yourself and do your research and battle your GPs and battle the medical system and all that stuff. So I think these, you know, women are in that kind of like, if I want it done, I have to do it. I have to question it. I have to push it. So then to trust someone else to hold that space for you and go, hey, we'll figure it out together or I've got your back is is quite a big thing as well, I think. It is absolutely. And there's a lot of vulnerability in that, which is a lot of, it's something that a lot of people don't want to feel. I don't want to put myself in any position where I feel vulnerable because to me, vulnerability means the willingness to be wounded. And so 
I'm not going to put myself in a position where I could get hurt, right? And hurt could be something as I get my hopes up. I believe that you're going to support me and then you don't. And I feel let down. I feel disappointed. I feel hurt. I don't want to feel any of those sensations. So you know what? Better just to do it myself. But the thing is, you actually rob yourself of so much. You rob yourself of any sort of intimacy, connection, love, all of the things because you're just, it's like self-focus and it makes sense, right? If you've had to come from this background of really advocating for yourself or you had, you know, like the medical system or you had a childhood where you were pretty much parentified Mm -hmm. as a child, right? Where you had to be a caretaker for someone or you had to be the one who was playing middleman between mommy and daddy, like all of these things play into your adult relationships. And again, coming back to choice, it's like, okay, cool. Could I choose to trust this person right now? Because ultimately when we say, I don't trust you, you're saying, I don't trust myself. Because what I see in that is I don't trust myself to be able to handle it if you hurt me. Yeah. 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 That's (laughs) just like hit the nail on the head. That's amazing. I feel like this is going to be one of those podcasts I actually go back and listen to and I never listen to my podcast, but that's, yeah, that makes complete sense. And I do like, I mean, I see elements of that in myself. There's been a lot of growth over the last couple of years with therapy and things that I've worked on and stuff, but I also see that in clients and the way they show up. And then sort of because even like, because obviously I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist, but as being a trusted healthcare professional. So you're picking up strings of women's life all the time, right? Like if someone's a client, there's we never just talk about their gut health. It's like their stress and what's playing into it and then their husband and then their kids and then their this and then that. So I'm sort of you picking up a lot of the other stuff that's going on and why they've kind of got gut issues in the first place. But I feel mm-hmm. a lot of this plays into it and is a really big role. And to actually fix their gut, yes, the testing is really important, yes, but that whole hormonal cortisol rhythm, if you're always, and like I'm just thinking as I'm speaking, but if you're always in that push-pull with a relationship because of that masculine-feminine energy is sort of out of balance, that's stressful, that's cortisol and inducing in itself if you're not trusting anyone and you are in that go 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 mindset like it's it's going to impact everything oh it's it's unbelievable i mean like yeah like i said i've i've very much been in that mindset of i have to do everything myself and i've i've even seen it like you know it's very much you know how they say new level new devil i'm like no new level same devil that's always been there <laughs> it's just like yeah you know, up going up a spiral, but yeah, like it's, it came up for me recently. I mean, my partner drew and I, we, we ran um, a couple's workshop together and the creation of that, like my business is my baby. And it becomes very apparent when we are creating together. I'm like, no, 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 this is the right way. Like I know how to do it. And he's like, Michelle, put your dick away. And I'm like, you know, and yeah, the support thing, like it's huge. I mean, I just brought on a business manager and that even, I could feel that control part come up again of me wanting to plug in. So like, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you up to today? (laughs) Rather than just fully trusting, but I'm like, okay, cool. What is the decision or what are the choices or behaviors or thoughts or beliefs that I want to have that are in alignment with someone who can surrender, who does trust, who can be vulnerable. And so for that, okay, maybe don't check in every 10 minutes, (laughs) like just actually trust that it's going to be okay. And if it's not, 
I trust myself to clean it up. But yeah, that, that like, that dynamic, whether it's you needing to be in control, because here's what happens, right? We're going to talk romantic relationships. As a woman, this is very stereotypical, but just hold me in that. It's like, as a woman, you probably have a more feminine essence. So that's usually what feels most natural to you without the conditioning, right? Without the conditioning. But it's like, that feels most natural to you. But because there's all this conditioning, you're then in the masculine, the wounded masculine of needing to be in control, needing to always be in your head, all the things go, go, go. And then you have a partner who is then like, oh, well, I'm being taken care of. So I don't have to do anything. And then you're resentful that he's not doing anything. And see, this is why I can't fucking trust you because you don't do shit. And he's like, you won't let me. And you're like, that's relevant. <laughs> and that whole cycle, it's like, oh my God, because here's the thing, right? And, and maybe you resonate with this or you've seen it in clients where there's this energy of, oh, he won't help me. And then when he does offer to help, it's like, no, 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 I'll do it myself. So what specifically would you like him to do in this scenario? Yeah, 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 100%. I, yeah, I see that all the time. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's very dysregulating to the nervous system, you know? And as you were saying, like, that affects your gut health. It's not just about the foods that you're eating or not eating or the testing or whatever. It's that hormonal response of being in this dynamic, or if we want to talk anxious avoidant, like that, oh my God, I've never been so dysregulated in my life. Do you know how destabilizing it is to wonder if someone is into you or they're going to commit to you or if they're out with another woman or who they're texting or are they kind of going to come home tonight? Whatever the thing is, that is so heavy on the nervous system. And no wonder when you go to med- meditate, like your mind is going a million miles a minute. Of course. So yeah. I'm like, don't don't feed into those dynamics. Yeah, yeah. But then where where's a good starting point? Because I feel like, like myself, there can be so many women listening and resonating and being like, ah, fix me. Like you kind of just have like this these light bulb moments, and like I resonate with a lot of your saints. I've done a lot of reading on it now and I go, oh yeah, and I've listened to a lot of podcasts around it and it, a lot of it makes sense and you start doing the work. But for women who are kind of coming across for the first time being like, holy shit, this is me. That is what I do. They are the behaviors I definitely do, but I don't know how to break it. I don't know how to trust them in their relationship. I don't know how to trust myself. Like it just can probably feel really overwhelming at the start. The first thing that I would say, which is what nobody wants to hear, is even in that language, right? Oh, please fix me, which is the energy that a lot of people come in to, you know, my work of wanting to do like, oh, how do I fix this? How do I get rid of this part of me? You don't. There's nothing that needs to be fixed because you saying I need to be fixed implies that you're broken, which is part of the issue in the first place. Because you would not attract these relationships if you already knew that you were whole exactly as you are. Does that mean that you can't evolve, grow, shift things? No, of course not. You can do whatever you want. But with that narrative of I'm broken, I need to be fixed. It's never a good place to start um, because you might do the work, but it's going to feel like shit when you're driven from pain versus moving towards pleasure. So that's the first thing that I would say. And then the second piece is 
again, being very aware of your patterns. So it's, I, I love that, you know, you might be listening to this podcast and it's like, oh my God, yes, I do that. Okay. Start to notice how you show up in relationships of all sorts, the relationships with your friends, with your family, your coworkers, your children, um, with yourself and romantic relationships. So how do I show up? Oh, when people actually want to have a difficult conversation, I am nowhere to be found. <laughs> I bail or whatever and start to become very intimate with the things that you do without shaming yourself. That's a huge part as well, because people start to, they do this work. They see new parts of themselves. They see shadows. They see aspects of themselves. And then they're like, that's horrible. I can't believe I do that. Or I've said that, or I've acted like that, behaved that way. That makes me such an awful person. I can't believe I act like an entitled brat or whatever. It's like, can you see these parts of yourself with neutrality, with not making it wrong, and then going, okay, that was weird. (laughs) That's an interesting thing that I do. (laughs) And if I were to show up differently, what would that look like? And and, and again, you're not always going to get this right. And so something that I love to do, even with my partner, is sometimes I'm reactive, and sometimes I say something that is like, or, or even like, I can say something great, but my tone is not the greatest. And so what we will say is, can I try that again? Mm -hmm. And I'll literally just say the thing again without the tone or I'll rephrase it or whatever. So can I try that again? And so you always have an opportunity to clean things up. You take responsibility for the behaviors. You apologize for anyone who's like, oh my God, I should go apologize to my ex. No, apologize internally and write a letter and burn it. (laughs) We do not need to contact him. (laughs) Yeah, don't open that. (laughs) We do not need to open that can of worms. I am not responsible for anything that happens as a result of this podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, taking responsibility. And then also something that was really, really important for me was learning to reparent myself. So. Like a lot of people, I didn't get the ideal parenting that I needed, you know? And that's through no fault of my parents. They did the best that they could with the resources they had at the time. But it's like, I can either choose to just, wah, wah, I didn't get what I needed, or I can choose to give that to myself now. So I can be kind to myself. I can be compassionate. I can treat myself with empathy when I'm feeling something rather than going and like getting on my phone and ignoring it. It's like, Oh, what do I actually need? I want to be with myself. Just like I would be if I had a child. Like, hey, what are you feeling? Oh, you're angry. It's okay to be angry. Tell me about it. Yeah, I get that. Okay, should we do like some some stomping? Should we shake it out? Do you want to go for a run? Like, let's get this energy out. Yeah, okay, how's that feeling? So I literally speak to myself this way. And that has such a profound impact. Like that will shift your relationships more than anything, I feel. Yeah, that's crazy because as literally as you said that, I think that is how I would speak to a child. Like I went through that this weekend. I had a child I care about, like my friend's child, and he was upset and that's how I would work through that process where it's, yeah, if it's yourself, we tend to shut that door or go, I'll do with it later or whatever it is, just bury it. But it's not that same acknowledgement, awareness, and now, you know, how how can we help? What can we do about it kind of thing? You're right. Like the the self-talk, that's huge. That's huge. And people do do not realize what a-holes they are to themselves. 
like the majority of the time. You know, like I ran a call last week for my program, Awakening Her, which is about like awakening the feminine within. And I had asked, when was the last time that you looked at yourself in a mirror? Like really saw yourself without judgment. Every single person said never, never. And so most of our, and this is why awareness is so key. It's not the only thing because a lot of people become very, 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 very self-aware and then don't do anything about it. But it's like, that's the first step is that's why awareness is so key because you start to go, hang on a second. Why am I saying this to myself? Because you would never, let's say I, I was really angry, right? Most people go, oh, there's nothing to be angry about. This is, you're being dramatic, right? I would never look at a five-year-old and go, why are you, why are you so upset? You're being ridiculous. Stop crying. You know, and I, I hope that I would never. And unfortunately, a lot of people are parented this way, right? I'll give you something to cry about. There's nothing to cry about. Things like that. But it's like, I would never speak to a five-year-old that way. If I made a mistake, so many people say to themselves, wow, I'm an idiot. That's so like off the tongue, right? Off the cuff or whatever that expression is. Whereas would you ever look at a four-year-old and be like, wow, you are so dumb. I can't believe you didn't get that question right. You idiot. Like, no. And so why do we treat ourselves so, so, so poorly when the most precious relationship that we have, the one that we have had since birth till the day that we die is the relationship that we have with ourselves. And yet that is the one that we neglect the most. Interesting, isn't it? And it's like, it's, it's so hard for us to prioritize that, like that and put that first and to create that emphasis and that time go, Hey, this is something I need to work on. Like, this is something I do need to prioritize. Like it's so much easier to shift and support other people go into a healing mode or, you know, focus on your business or do the other thing, like, and, and fix others as opposed to going, wait a second, I need that time and care that I'm also giving to others, like to fill your own cup up in that sense. Mm. Yeah, it's even as simple as like a question, what do I need? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know what? And that's a really hard one to answer as well because that's like sometimes we don't even know because we're so not used to acknowledging yeah. our feelings like and if someone said to you what do you need right now or how how can I make this better and you're kind of going I don't even know like even if I asked myself that if I was really upset I'd be like wait a second what do I need do I need a walk do I need breath work do I need music do I need to just like you know go under my covers and just chill for an hour or like it's it's hard because we're not used to putting ourselves first often yeah, I actually have a couple of really great resources that could support people. And one of them is an app. It's totally free. It's amazing. It's called How We Feel. And it is essentially like a feelings wheel. Um, it's not a feelings wheel, but you have like, you know, high and low emotions, essentially. And then it's pleasant versus unpleasant. And you can go in and you can find, like, I just like to scroll around. And because I might, I might say, oh, I'm feeling depressed, right? That's what people say. I'm feeling depressed. But then you might actually go and you're like, oh, no, actually what I'm feeling is like disheartened. Oh, mm -hmm. and it has a little definition 
of each of them. So you can go, oh, wait, no, that's not what I'm feeling. I'm not feeling embarrassed. I feel humiliated, right? So you can actually start to find language for what you are feeling. And what I love too is it tracks all of them. So you can do it multiple times a day and then it'll show you the themes of what you tend to feel most often and when. And you can attach photos. You can you can write little journal entries of like what was happening at that time. Oh my God, every time I'm around Cheryl, I am like so angry or I constantly feel shame. Or like whenever I'm just cuddling my dog, I feel so happy and I feel so grateful. When I'm in nature, I'm like so in awe. Or whenever I'm doing this thing, I feel when I've spent six hours on TikTok, I feel anxious as all hell, right? It's like, oh, okay. So that's one really great resource that I love. The other thing that I do is because, yeah, when you're triggered, so when you're in that dysregulated state, what's usually happened, well, what has happened is your prefrontal cortex, the part of you that is responsible for logic is like, bye, see ya. You're now in how I describe the primal brain, right? So that fight or fight, flight, freeze, fawn response. And so all that it's concerned with doing is how do I survive this? Which is why we tend to revert back to the same things that we've done since childhood, right? Now, in that moment, if someone goes, what do you need? It's very hard to access that. And so what I've done is I created a document for myself of things that I can do to support myself. And then also there's a section for my partner, things that you can do to support me. And so then, because I really like being given options. Okay, do you need a hug? Do you need to be left alone? Do you want to go to the movies? Do you want to have a sauna? No, no. Oh, yeah, a sauna. Oh, that would feel so good. So I really like that. And it's like, you know, probably very similar to health stuff, right? It's like, if I'm starving, and this is a lesson that I am learning. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm starving... And I go to the fridge, I'm probably not going to be like, I should spend time and make a salad or, or, or like, you know, have something that's really nourishing for me. No, I'm going to be like, what is going to give me the most amount of satisfaction in the quickest amount of time? Oh, I'm going to eat a block of cheese. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Fills me up. It tastes good. It's right there. I don't need to do anything. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. Versus, you know, like having it prepped, having things written, having a meal plan, not so that you feel restricted, but like, okay, I know what I'm doing. It takes the guesswork out of it. So that's something I really like doing when you're regulated, just write down brain dump a whole bunch of things that you could potentially do. Yeah, I I love that. That's awesome. Um, I'm definitely going to pop this in the notes for everyone because that's, yeah, I love the app idea. And you're right, having it on hand, even if it's a notes app in your phone or something, and then being like, wait a second, because yeah, I went through that the other day and I was like, I don't know what I need right now. I need something. I feel overwhelmed. Overwhelmed was my word. I was like, I feel overwhelmed and I don't know how to get out of this. Like it's, it's, yeah, yeah you're right. But if you've got a thing, you'd be like, right, actually, these are the things that make me feel good or these are the people I can contact when I'm feeling like this and go from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, super, super helpful. I love it. Actually, I've just, yeah, this podcast has been amazing. So thank you. Um, any other resources, best places to find you? Because your podcast would probably cover everything we've talked about today, but in detail, nutted out and specific episodes on kind of those hot points, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that podcast is called Unfuck Your Relationships. <laughs> it's very on brand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And the unfuck is 
uh, UNF asterisk CK. Um, so there's, oh gosh, 120 plus episodes that you guys can go binge. I've had experts on there, but most of the time it's just me talking. So if you, if you resonate with me, then yeah, go listen to that. Um, and then the other thing too, is my signature program, the connected woman. That's pretty much where I direct people to go first and foremost, because that covers everything that we spoke about, right? So we're talking about, um, the ego and triggers, boundaries, what we need, understanding men, inner child, your relationship blueprint, all those anxious avoidant, all those kind of tendencies, core wounds, not good enough, too much, all those things. So that's really like the, the entry point that I direct everyone to. So that's going to be launching in January. Like it'll start in January, but you can join anytime from now. And then otherwise just on Instagram at Michelle Panning. So if you want to DM me and tell me what you got from this episode, I would love that. I feel like, yeah, you put a lot of great information on Instagram as well. The Connected Woman, so your sort of signature program, what does it look like working with you? Is it group coaching? Is it one-on-one staff? Is it what can women expect from it? So it's group. So that is very much a teaching program. Um, and then you have the Facebook group for support as well. But there's also a couple of, I, I believe there's three calls that are live embodiment calls um, where I'm taking you through a guided embodiment practice because the way I see it is like, there's knowledge and then there's embodied wisdom and knowledge doesn't get you very far. Like you might know all the things, but to actually experience them is a completely different thing. Um, and then that also if you were wanting to do that, the connected woman, there's also my other program, the connected woman experience, which is a year long group mentoring program. It includes the connected woman, but also every program that I run within a year, every program, masterclass, anything. And also we have fortnightly group mentoring calls. So you would get hot seat coaching one week and then the following two weeks, you would have a live embodiment. So it's like, if you know you want to go deep, that would be the space for you, 100%. Awesome. Cool. It sounds amazing. Yeah, I love it. And I just feel like it's such a needed area and a needed element of support because there's there's layers of things you know there's your therapy or your psychologist or whoever you're sort of seeing in that space and then there's working on your nutrition and your gut health and your hormones and then there's digging deeper into this side of stuff as well and going okay well what are those underlying beliefs why you know why do I need to change them how do I need to change them how is that impacting my health how is that impacting my relationship my environment all those other things so I just I always yeah always say to women there's there's different areas and you're going to need to see different people at different times with different things sometimes you can't do them all at once but it is like yeah I just think it's a key part of healing 100% well I'll pop all that in the show notes for you guys but thank you so much for coming on I have loved this podcast and I really 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 appreciate you showing up and just yeah talking us through all that stuff (laughs) thank you so much for having me here Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.